Oh, Chief, I found some evidence that points to the real arsonist. Well, let's see it. Not yet. You have to guess what it is. We don't have time for guessing games. Nah, let's try it. It might be fun. Is it DNA? Mm. So it's like DNA. Um, a hatchet? You had a turn. I want to guess. Oh, jeez. <gasps> My car! <laughs> Boomer Pride! Boomer Pride! <laughs> Catch the fever, Skinner! <laughs> Bum. You looked me right in the eye and lied to me. Marge, this is the God's truth. I burned the mural, but I did not burn Skinner's car. I just saw you. Get him out of here, Chief. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode CABF05. It is Pokemon. I am Dando. I am Guy. Pleasure to be here. Talking with Dando, of course. Talking about The Simpsons, of course. Um, I'm feeling a bit talked out because do you want to, uh, Dando, do you want to explain what we just spent an hour or so doing before the show? <laughs> so, so the plan going forward, guys, is um, we love our patrons, so we thought we'd give back and before a show once a month for $8 plus patrons we're going to jump on the Zoom and whoever has the time to get on and chat with us we're going to do that and that's what we just did then um, if you're a $20 patron we're going to do it before each show just for 10 or 15 minutes and the plan was tonight for us to do it for 10 or 15 minutes or so just to say hello to everybody and it ended up being over an hour so we're pretty exhausted <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was good fun it was, it's good putting faces to names isn't it very much so yeah yeah <laughs> And we mostly had faces, although we had one lurker. Yeah, George McMenemy. Yes, yes, who was uh, yes going going silent for the uh, for the most part. He said he was working. He just wanted to listen in. He didn't want, necessarily want to contribute. And in the last maybe three or four three or four seconds before we uh, while we were on the Zoom call, he he slapped the video on. We got a quick peek of George. It was it was a bit of a pleasure, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but, it, but it was a pleasure talking to um, to everyone who was on board tonight. Uh, you know, getting feedback on. Well, talking about The Simpsons, of course, but also talking about, you know, life in, in lockdown or not in lockdown in certain cases. And, um, mm. yeah, no, so, uh, just a, a, a great way to connect. So, yeah, I think we'll be doing more yeah. of that in the future. So you don't just get a Stonecutter's ring for being a $20 patient. You also get to join in the four-figure discount pre-show. Get a bit of FaceTime, a bit of uh, FFD FaceTime. That is right. So, Pokemon. So, how are we going to pronounce it? Is it Pokemon or just Pokemon? How do you want to say it? I think just Pokemon because I'm not doing the, I'm not a, po- I'm not really a Pokemon kind of guy. Can you, can you do it? Can you do it for me just once? Um, can you do it for me and then I'll and then I'll repeat because I don't think I've okay. ever watched like an episode. Pokemon, Pokemon. Has there it? we go. That'll do. Okay. <laughs> but this episode, so I, I, I hadn't, I couldn't remember too much about this one besides the fact that Marge. Uh, befriends a prisoner. I remember when it first aired, I wasn't a huge fan of it, and I did look at a couple. I'll flick through the Wikipedia page before I watched the episode, um, just see what people thought. And it said most of the reviews were negative, and I went, "Oh, here we go, one of these ones." And the, the the reviews were saying that it was kind of a nothing episode. It was kind of bland, kind of boring. And I watched it, and not only did I enjoy the main story, but the Homer as a chiropractor is one of my favorite side stories of season 12 so far. I thought it was fucking... This was a really fun episode. And what I liked about it was, I get it, some people see it as bland, the main story. What I liked about it was that they gave the story some time to breathe for a change. Mm. 
Yeah, look, I thought it was um, I thought it was slight, but slight's not necessarily a bad thing if it's sort of done. Not at all. Yeah, with the uh, with the right kind of you know wit and, and energy and kind of breezy feel, which is what this has. I mean, and and you're right about both the A story and the B story. They're not. You know, they're not overlapping or anything like that. They're just sort of running along parallel lines. But, uh, yeah, both entertaining. Um, yeah, good uh, good supporting actor work, uh, you know, most notably from uh, from Michael Keaton. It's funny because I, I watched it and I didn't know Michael Keaton was doing the voice, but you knew that it had to have been somebody because I thought Keaton was really good in the role and it was too good for it just to... I mean, I know the, the, the voice cast of The Simpsons are incredible at their jobs, but... You could tell this wasn't one of the normal cast members. You could tell it was something different. And um, yeah, yeah I, I thought Michael was fantastic. Yeah, so did I. So did I. So yeah, look, um, I wouldn't call it like a, a world-beating episode or anything like that. But I mean, I had not seen this in, yeah, uh, let's say 20 years or so. And there were certainly parts of it. I, I remember that, oh yeah, there was that episode where Marge, uh, you know, sort of took a yeah, a budding artist under her wing and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, and there was a bit where Homer was a chiropractor. Oh, that's this episode. Oh, oh, Michael Keaton was the voice in it. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I had a lot of sort of, yeah, pleasant memories flooding back. And, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was, <laughs> it sounds like I'm dangling with fame praise to say, it's just fine. But, no, this was, this was just fine. This was very enjoyable. But the, I particularly liked the size story with Homer with the, uh, with the chiropractor with the trash can. For someone who's been to a chiropractor, <laughs> I found that scene so relatable. When when he goes, hey, hey, you're going to crack me, right? He goes, no, we don't crack you. We just do adjustments. Now, you're going to hear a slight a crack. cracking sound. <laughs> and I was like, it's exactly what the chiropractor said to me the first time I went. And honestly, my back has never been the same since I went to that chiropractor. So, when Homer says, I feel slightly better. I was like, that's exactly how I felt. You felt better? I like, I yeah. Feel, okay, I, 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 feel, I feel somewhat better. <laughs> I haven't and then been. when he was like, now you have to come back to me two or three times every few years. <laughs> Because, yeah, look, I've been to a chiropractor maybe once or twice in my life, but uh, it's not something I made a regular habit out of. I mean, uh, I had a friend who was a um, a deep tissue massage therapist, and I saw her a fair uh, rem- A remedial therapist? Um, I don't know if that was exactly what you call it, but she, you know, she was the thing, she did the thing where she really dug the thumbs and occasionally the elbows into, like, your, any tightened up muscles or, you know, banged up yeah, joints yeah. or whatever, and it was a Painful as hell. I mean, I did that a fair bit. Chiropractors only, I only did that maybe once or twice. And I must admit, I was a bit nervous the first time around because, you know. Oh, we all are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'd just seen too many action movies where, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme or someone, you know. Snaps a neck. Snaps a neck. <laughs> they can- I remember the first time I was at footy training and I had a bit of a sore neck and the, the, um, the trainer laid me down and she sort of grabbed my neck and she sort of, Bubbled my head around a little bit and, and just went crack. And I flew off the table and I was like, that is not supposed to happen. <laughs> Please do not ever crack my neck again. I, I thought I, I had died. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, it's, a, you, it's not a fun sensation when you kind of, when you hear it. I mean, like you, I think I sort of like came out of it going, hmm, yeah, not feeling so bad. Feel a bit looser. Feel a bit uh, less constricted or whatever. But yeah, but that, yeah, yeah. that cracking sound, it's like, oh, is my body meant to sound like that? Especially when someone else is manipulating it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You put it, you're literally putting your, your life in your hands. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but they get the, so the story with Marge and Jack Crowley, Michael Keaton, I actually felt really sorry for Marge because she was making a genuine effort to, uh, to, you know, to get this guy on the right track. And I guess you can kind of say that 
if he hadn't come across Skinner, he may have stayed on the right track. But if that's the way he responds to someone being negative to his work, I guess he would have at some point or another down the track, you know, just yeah. jumped off the wagon and be- become a criminal again. I think but I just felt sorry for Marge because she really saw good in this person, and she just gets betrayed. <laughs> I felt bad. Well, I felt bad for Marge throughout the whole episode. Really, I mean, it was it was kind of. When I say pathetic, I don't mean it as necessarily in a, as a total negative kind of way. It was also kind of poignant. They were just sort of, yeah. you know, Marge's dreams are small, but they're hers. You know, she wanted to go to the, uh, she wanted to go to Apron Fest and, um, you know, which to any sane person just sounds like an absolute nightmare. Um, but, you know, she, I think she also not only wants to help rehabilitate Jack, but she also sees him as a bit of a kindred spirit because we all know Marge's... Um, you know, is a is a painter, a frustrated painter, um, and I get the feeling that that sort of um, that creative urge isn't necessarily stimulated at home. I don't know. Maybe you can maybe you can answer this, or maybe our friends out there listening can answer this. But given that Marge does have this sort of creative artistic bent, and so does Lisa, I don't know if they've ever sort of bonded over that. Have there ever been episodes where they've sort of where they have they, done that? The, the- a moment I can remember them bonding over being creative was when Lisa had the mumps and they were both, it wasn't knitting, but they were sort of like making a quilt. It was, it was I think it's the episode oh, Dog yeah, of yeah. Death. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And, and the dog chews it up. That's the moment when I can, because there's like an ET parody where they sort of, they got the calluses on their finger. That's the right, yes. moment. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's one moment of creativity. But when it comes to the painting side of things, I, I don't think so, no. Yeah, because I mean. But I, I, know, I, know, I know Lisa was very supportive of Marge when she wanted to be, become a painter again. Hmm. So and and but but going on from what you said as well, I mean, yeah, the fact that she yeah clearly saw something. She saw Marge always sees the good in people. It's it's something I think we love about the character. But yeah, there were sort of multiple reasons to feel for Marge in this episode, even more than you might normally do. And yeah, to get it all kind of all squandered by the end, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a drag. But uh, uh, but uh, you know, also this episode actually ended not badly. I mean. No, no, yeah. Again, that's another thing. It leaves you feeling satisfied because you get somewhat of an ending. And a little, little bit of banter at the end, it almost reminded me a bit of like Pulp Fiction-esque banter. A little bit, yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they just, uh, if they were scripted that way or they realised they had, you know, a fairly manic, creative talent like Michael Keaton, someone who can think on their feet. And yeah, maybe it's, let them sort of go in the um, in the recording booth or in the in the recording studio. Maybe that's probably not how the show works at all. But it, it kind of felt that way, like a like a bit yeah. of an improvised scene or uh, just hey, you two guys bounce off one another from. Because forgive me, this is very much an entry level question. But who voices Chief Wiggum? Chief Wiggum would be Hank Azaria. Okay, then yeah, I mean both yeah fairly creative people i mean i imagine they would probably have a bit of fun maybe riffing off one another i'm, I'm just going to check that because i've just said that with such certainty <laughs> i could be wrong <laughs> <laughs> chief wiggum voice let's have a look i'm i, I would bet my house is hank azaria it's hank azaria yes continue <laughs> mr davis <laughs> <laughs> damn i was about to take you up on the house bet uh, but yeah no I, I, I like that ending very much i mean just that little uh yeah drive into the sunset with these two guys sort of talking about tv shows you're right had a they little almost bit a- they almost got through an episode without a gay joke <laughs> almost yeah yeah and i mean yeah, look not the best joke but yeah not necessarily <laughs> terribly it offensive either no, it's fine yeah. and again yeah one or two sort of uh one or two racy gags that uh that got me thinking 
were they having like a competition in the writers' room to say, <laughs> "I wonder if we can get away with this one." <laughs> I one hundred percent think that's what they would have been doing. Like, do you think we can get away with this? Because at this point. I think Fox liked the money that The Simpsons was bringing in, but they weren't <laughs> checking anymore anyway. But uh, I felt like the one thing that they sort of missed out on, getting Marge back to painting again, you missed out on the opportunity to have John Lovitz come back as Lombardo just to go, marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> Even a rhombus. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like he should have walked in like just as a quick appearance looking at like the unicorn painting or something in the prison, you know? <laughs> now, Mr. Davis, before we get into our favorite moments, we need to remind our listeners that today's podcast is brought to you by our $20 patrons, Jordan, Moleman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Belson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Winemixer, and George McMenemy. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget, if you are a $20 patient, you will get not only a stone cutter ring, but access into the four-finger discount pre-show Zoom call with Guy and myself each and every week going forward. I also must give shout-outs to our new $5-plus patrons for this week. We have got Fergus Jeffs, James Proctor, Cheryl Wisniewski, Ryan King, Graham Delamar, and Stephen Tilbury. Thank you so much, guys. Remember to get access into the four-figure discount exclusive Facebook group where you can join in on the Guy Davis Noonan Championships. You just got to be a four-figure discount patron for as low as $1 per month. That's right, just $1 per month. You get access into the group and join the community that we have there on Facebook. It's, a, it's an incredible bunch of people there. Plus, you also get a bunch of exclusive podcasts like some Simpsons audio commentaries. And you also get uh, our other podcasts uh, a bit early. So you get four-figure discount a week early. You'll get Talking Seinfeld early, uh, Tales of Futurama early, and much, much more just by being a four-figure discount patron, patreon.com slash four-figure discount. Hey, my favorite. What was your favorite moment from the episode? It, it wasn't exactly, he's not exactly a wise guy. You know how I feel about wise guys, but I love the la-di-da guy in, mm-hmm. um, in prison. And then like, he says la-di-da to everybody. Yes, yeah. It's like, oh, art classes, la-di-da. And then he's like, <laughs> okay, this is so-and-so when he's up to solitary confinement. Oh, solitary, la-di-da. <laughs> I know it's, it's one of those good dumb gags that I really appreciate. I mean, like I said, he wasn't wise guy, but he was sort of in the vein of wise guy, which uh, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I think I liked that the probably the most. Yeah, I mean, um, okay, yeah. something you mentioned earlier before we were on air was you like the you like the bit about um, at the very end where Homer's. Um, uh, chiropractic chiropractic practice, down. yes, is uh, is dismantled by the actual chiropractors, and yeah, Moses, forget it, Homer. It's it's Chirotown, which is yeah, it's a lovely <laughs> shout out to one of my favourite movies, Chinatown, and beautifully shot and yeah, nicely said by Mo and all that kind of stuff. So that was pretty funny. I really enjoyed. So there's two moments in the episode where someone makes a bad joke, and you hear a gun cocking. Yes, I. I, I <laughs> I didn't realize it was uh, it was twice. I I remember hearing it during Skinner's speech. So when Marge says "freeing the artist within," not literally, of course. <laughs> 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 there's dead silence and a gun cocking. <laughs> and the fact that they brought it back uh, later in the episode was really really solid. That now was th- good. that guy, what's um what's his name? The the writer, the oh Bruce Valanche, um, yeah, yeah, Bruce Valanche, yeah. So he's known mostly from Hollywood Squares. Yes, yeah, and also um. I, th- I know him best for writing gags for the Oscars. He was sort of like the uh, the go-to guy for whoever was hosting the Oscars back in the 
90s and probably early 2000s, you know, Bruce Valanche was the kind of go-to guy to write their jokes. So um, he's kind of so he's good at pop culture-esque gags. Yes, yeah. And he and the the Simpsons character of him is actually quite accurate. He kind of looks like a Frankel. <laughs> he really does. Like, I I just remember him always being the weird-looking guy on Hollywood Squares. Yeah. <laughs> was he was he the center square? No, That's a good that, that, that was Whoopi, wasn't it? Wasn't Whoopi the center I, square? I think so, yeah. Look, I've, it's been a very long time since I watched Hollywood Squares. Australia so. tried their own version of it. didn't last very long. That's, I mean, well, uh, back in the back in when I was growing up, they had like, I think it was called Celebrity Squares. Celebrity Squares is what Australia called it, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and you know, like all the game shows, there was, you know, there've been various versions of it throughout the years and on different uh, on different networks. But yeah, I remember Celebrity Squares was, I think, on Channel 9 when I was growing up. I'm pretty sure Channel Ooh. 9 sounds about right. Yeah, it was Ooh, on when more I was. More stars than there are in heaven. They must have brought it back when I was um, when I was younger as well, because it was on during the '90s for sure to early 2000s. And it'll probably be it'll probably be on at some stage in the 2020s. Oh yeah, we do love our, our rehashing of old TV shows. That's for sure. Says, okay. says us doing a podcast about a 20 year old television show. <laughs> <laughs> I also enjoyed Homer not wanting to get out of bed. Just the <laughs> this is me every Saturday or no Sunday because we we alternate days, Nicola and I. So every Saturday morning oh. I get my sleep in, and Sundays it's uh it's Nicola's sleep in. And but Nicola is she has like a sixth sense, so whenever Elliot wakes up, she just knows. So she's like, all right, Elliot's up, go get up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's still, that sounds like a very equitable system you've got there, Dando. Yeah, good. it's very good. It's, it's sort of one of those things where you know at least one day a week you're going to get a sleep in. Oh, marvellous. Yes. I'm um, not going to get many more of those because Nicola, as I was telling the, the, the guys on the, on the Zoom call before the show, that uh, looks like the baby's going to be about 48 hours away at most. So exciting times here at the Dando household. By the time we baby. By the time baby. we listen to this, we may have a baby. <laughs> Oh, I'm currently holding a little flag that says baby. <laughs> I love that you held a flag during the Zoom call. That said Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also enjoyed Homer mishearing Marge thinking that she said Smokron. <laughs> Did you say Smokron? <laughs> what was it actually called? Was it Smapron or? Uh, oh, I can't remember. Let's have a look. Yeah. I'll flick through. Uh, doesn't say on the Wikipedia page. No. We'll get to it, but um, yeah, we'll this, it. It's smock run just sounds like some sort of convention. Did you say smock run? <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week. All right, Mr. All right, Davis, ch- you, you kick oh. off. Okay, I shall. Alice, you know what we'll do? Just pick three questions this week. Oh, three okay. Of, three of your best. Uh, they're all good. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with my first one here. Homer is in bed, reluctant to get up. Uh, Marge adjusts the bed. And uh, Homer's juice box is squished. Mm-hmm. Do you know what type of juice was in the box? I'm going to say, judging by the look of it, was it cranberry juice? It was indeed cranberry. Cranberry juice. That was pure right. juice. <laughs> <laughs> My first question is, who wrote a song trying to keep Jack Crowley in prison? Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is correct. Yes. Um, the first rodeo rider at the prison, what was he in Behind Bars for? I uh, put in the scene on City Property, the nativity scene. Yes, that is correct. Erecting a nativity scene on uh, City Property. <laughs> there's so much evil there's in, so the world. in the world. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. How big is the fine for shooting a poo in season 12? It's 
It's a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars. <laughs> that's that's very harsh. And a, 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 a poo doesn't even seem to care anymore. He's like, whatever. No. <laughs> um, okay. So I've I've written in a few more questions here. So I'm trying to pick the best one. Um, okay. Marge was influencing the parole board with what kind of baked treat? Oh, you're going to get me with this one. Cookies? Think a little more sort of upmarket. They were very big for a while there, thanks to MasterChef and all that uh, kind of stuff. I, no, you say it. Macaroons. I, see, I was going to say, I, I was, I'm like, it's maca something, but I can't. I don't know what the word is. I'll just let you say it. <laughs> and actually, there's a difference between macaroons and macarons, which were the see, other I, I was going to say, mac, yeah, I knew it was maca something, so macaroons. So macaroons, I can visualize them, but what are they actually made of? That's a really good question, and we might have to go to Google to find out. because I, <laughs> okay. I'm, it, I mean, but I was, they, they, they sound delicious. They do, but remember a few years back, or maybe it's probably closer to 10 years ago now because time just lost all meaning. Um, macarons were the really big thing. You couldn't turn, you couldn't go anywhere without finding, without, you know, getting macarons, and they were yeah. really good. I think even like fast food places were selling them for a while. Yeah, Macca, Macca's had macarons. Did they macarons. really? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I reckon they did. And there was one guy, one one chef some European dude who, it was kind of his specialty. And I remember he opened like little pop-up shops that just sold macarons. Yep. And, you know, he used to, I, I, <laughs> I used to, I'm sorry, I'm saying like uh, Dr. Hibbert there. <laughs> I used to get a whole bunch of them. <laughs> they, they used to have all different flavours. You get like a six-pack or a 12-pack of like variety flavours. Like, oh man, this was an absolute delight. They're like now Krispy I Kreme. Think, I'd, yeah, yeah, unlike Krispy Kreme, which was just like an absolute scam. These were these were <laughs> these were really good. I don't reckon you could find a macaron anywhere in, you know, like the CBD for love or money. Now, I don't know. Maybe if you go to one of those fancy dessert bars, quite possibly, yeah. But they're they're no longer the um, they're not as ubiquitous they're not, they're not as hip. they used to be. No, no longer cool. No, no. All right. My, uh, sorry. My yes. final One question, question is: Here we go. Mm-hmm. Drum roll. What is the name of the school newspaper that Marge found out that they were looking for a new job for uh, artist or whatever? Oh, was it the second grader? The daily fourth gradient. The, the daily fourth gradient. Ah, because, uh, because it's, so, so, what's gone down three point four percent? It's um. School spirit is down 3.4. That was yeah. one of my questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And my other question was, what is Homer's more, spine more twisted than? Uh, I've got it in my notes, but I won't cheat. What was it? It was Sinbad's take on marriage. Sinbad's take on marriage. Uh, Data uh, reference yes. now, but uh, yes. Very funny. Hey, that's Jingle All The Way star Sinbad to yeah. you. <laughs> the guy that ruined Jingle All The Way for me. No, the script ruined it for me. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those movies where... I mean, if you grew up on it, go back and watch it at Christmas time. But if you've never seen it, just don't bother. <laughs> yeah. You, you won't enjoy it. <laughs> Some things are best left back in 1996 or whenever it came out. All right, Mr. Davis, let's get into our review of Pokey Mum. So the original air date was January 14th in 2001. The chalkboard gag is, I will not let the dogs out. Now, roof, that is roof, uh, roof, grade, roof, great, yeah, grade six, Brendan Dando right there. I remember that was number one yeah. for a while here. Okay, then extra extra point for who sang Who Let the Dogs Out. Oh, mate, Baja, man, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> it was my jam. There was a place in Geelong which is no longer exists. It was called Rugrats, and it was a, a giant centre, like a giant play centre. And they used to, every Friday night, have this thing called the Rugrats Disco. 
And all the coolest kids from Geelong went to the Rugrats Disco. It's where I saw uh, my first pair of boobs. It's where I had my first sip of alcohol. The Rugrats Disco, mate, it was the shit. And it was an underage (laughs) disco. (laughs) You saw boobs and and drank booze at at Rugrats? (laughs) Yes. That doesn't sound right. So basically, hang on. I went to grown-up nightclubs and I didn't see boobs. So Rugrats, for those of you playing at home who don't know what Rugrats was, it was just this giant, picture like a McDonald's maze play centre room, but huge and padded and a jumping castle. It was just like a warehouse-sized play centre. But there was a little, like a, a, a not a cafe, but just sort of like the, the kind of... Um, food little places you get at the pool and whatnot, just a little there selling mm-hmm. pies and sausage rolls, that kind of thing. And uh, every Friday night they'd have the disco there and you'd go there. And keep in mind, I was like year seven, maybe grade six at this point. And um, I think you'd go up to the age of 15. But yeah, the older kids would always somehow steal beer from their parents' fridge and sneak it into Rugrats Disco and they'd go into like the tunnels in the playground and you'd be like, can, can I please have a <laughs> sip of that? <laughs> but I remember... I remember um, yeah, being in it was, it was one of those rooms where it's sort of like like punching bags, but they're really long and thin, and you got to like oh, yeah. manu- maneuver around them. I remember I was in there, and there like was on gladiators. Gu- yes, that kind of thing. And there was this girl and guy sitting on the floor in there, and I I nearly fell on one of them once, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, and and they're like, um, they're, they're like, don't 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 tell the guy we're drinking. I was like, I won't, and the the guy was like, show him your boobs so he won't tell anyone. And I was and at this point I was like. I don't really know what to do right now. So I just stood there and she showed me one of her boobs and I was like, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that never happened. <laughs> and I remember I went home and I was like, this girl showed me her boob. Mum's like, she did what? <laughs> and I was like, and that was the end of Rugrats Disco for me. <laughs> you, you told your mum. Yes. <laughs> I was so you confused. Ralph I, was co- yeah. I was confused. Honestly, I'm, so- I'm sorry to keep going back to this, but that, that honestly sounds like Ralph Wiggum going home and saying, baby, looked at you. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Rugrats <laughs> and I went into a tunnel and I saw a girl and I go, show me her boob. Go show you a boob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, please continue. <laughs> I remember mum picked me up. And um, and she picked. There was a friend of mine called Michael. I won't say his last name. His name was Michael. And uh, we're driving home. Mum's like, "Did you have a good night?" Yep. And Michael's like, "Tell your mum what happened." And I was like, "I don't want to." Mum's like, "Tell me what happened." I was like, "I don't want to." She's like, "Tell me now." So I told her the story, and that that was it. <laughs> oh, Michael, you snitch! <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, oh, Rugrats oh. Disco. <laughs> <laughs> That's Geelong for you, man. That sort of sums <laughs> Geelong up quite nicely. <laughs> uh, Show this times. kid your boobs, <laughs> so he won't, so he won't rat on us for drinking at the underage disco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love and it. I, and I, love I didn't even get, I didn't even get boobs plural. I got one singular boob. <laughs> But I was kind of like, you know, when Homer's just sort of walking backwards through the hedge? That was me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> I, what can you say in that situation? There's nothing you can say in that situation. I mean, you're pretty much... <laughs> Good show, madam. Capital knockers. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, we've got to move on. We can't linger on this. Um, so what was that? That was the uh, the chalkboard gag, yes. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and the, the reason... So, that somehow relates to the Baja Men because I remember listening <laughs> to that song at the Rugrats Disco. That's where I remember like dancing to it at the Rugrats Disco. That, that somehow relates to that story of me seeing a singular boob at Rugrats. It's, am- it's amazing how the memory works in that regard. Yeah. You know, just your audio Definitely. cue and all of a sudden you're yeah, back at Rugrats. <laughs> seeing boob. <laughs> <laughs> the, the catch gag was the Vincent Price one where the, the wall spins around and... The evil Vincent Price is there with a scared Ned Flanders all shackled up to the wall. God, Ned just looks terrified. Yeah, he does. Oh, so would I if I was shackled to the wall by Vincent Price. I imagine that's true, yes. <laughs> so the episode begins with Marge trying to get Homer out of bed because she wants to go to the Apron Expo. It's one thing about this episode, I watched it again with headphones on. The sound effects of backs cracking is n- never comfortable. <laughs> it's like, ugh, every single time. So... You hear how his back cracking when the bed closes here. You think it's blood coming out, but no, it's just the cranberry juice. Mm. He doesn't want to go. But, eventually- by the way, um, yeah, when Marge is actually using the uh, the electronic bed adjustment, a max power shout out. My juice box. Oh. Mm, sorry, homie, but you promised to take me to the apron expo today. Just give me 10 more hours. Come on. You and the kids always want to do fun stuff. But today we're doing something I like. Uh... They're unveiling a combination apron smock. It's called a smapron. Did you say smock run? No, smapron. Oh. Come on, it'll be fun. Cuts to everyone happy that they went to the apron expo. (laughs) How good was Homer's? Grill power. Power. (laughs) (laughs) That was a thing. That's not really a thing anymore, is it? The girl power slogan. Not as much as it used to be. I mean, I I think the whole ethos of it still exists. It's just really not... um, Because, yeah, back in the early 1990s, you had ride girls... Um, you know, bands like L7 and Bikini Kill and all that kind of stuff. Um, Spice Girls had, brought the girl power back in the 90s. And then Spice 90s. Girls made it actually girl power. Yeah. Uh, yeah, back in the late 90s. Um, and yeah, I think that sort of, uh, that kind of pop feminism still exists, uh, just under a different name. I don't know what you'd probably call it these days, but uh, yeah, but girl, girl power was definitely a thing back in the day and still is. Homer notices the prison rodeo, drives in there. Uh, that, this, this, this first prisoner gets absolutely destroyed. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, so all the prisoners are being taken away from their telemarketing duties to just ride bulls for the entertainment of the people of Springfield. Then we get the... Uh, the, the I can't remember what he said. He's a dilbit or something. He's about to slaughter the cow. And then Jack Crowley enters. And But let's not forget, as we mentioned a bit earlier... Um, Yes, the Simpsons writers are looking for any excuse to put in something, um, yes, something ribald, no doubt, as Homer would say, um, with uh, Bart saying, go bull, toss his salad. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm not going to explain what that means. You've got the internet. Feel free to look it up. And don't blame me for what you say. <laughs> I, I did that once with Tub Girl. <laughs> I, I, su- I, I mentioned Tub Girl and I warned the people not to go look at it, but they went and looked at it and then they blamed me for it. <laughs> That's the thing. That people will kill the messenger in those regards. So uh, we get Jack Crowley coming out and he's being thrown through the fence and the, the, the bull's about to destroy him. Marge is very concerned for the guy, as she is, because you know she's Marge and she's actually generous. So Homer here using Lisa as the red flag. The reference here to Bart's blue shirt, I really got a kick out of because Homer's like, where's your blue shirt? I never had a blue shirt. <laughs> do you know what that's referencing? I do not. Tell me. 
So in the early 90s, all of the marketing, all the plush toys, everything had Bart with a blue shirt. Although he's oh, never yeah. actually worn a blue shirt. So like Bart Mania, there's so much stuff <laughs> of Bart wearing a blue shirt. It's just, I don't know why yeah. that actually happened. I'm sure there's there's a reason for it. I'm sure it's on the internet yeah. somewhere. But there's all this early merchandise of the Simpsons from the from the early 90s, from like 1991, and Bart is wearing a blue shirt. So this is just referencing that, that Homer was expecting a blue shirt, but you know, I never had one. Hmm. i got to say, I, I did think it was ironic that Lisa might be killed by the animal that she wouldn't eat. That's, yeah, I never looked like that. That's a good point. Yes, given that she was also wearing, you know, what was it, barbecue is murder. Uh, she yeah. got that apron from Apron Fest earlier. But Bart has the lead apron, I think, to protect his junk. <laughs> Homer gets kicked into the tower. The guard wakes up, shoots tear gas at everybody. Maybe it's the tear gas. Or maybe this was the best damn prison rodeo ever. We're now in the infirmary. And there's a, there's a, a scene here, sort of it's just a panning shot. Um, of all the of the injured people, and you got Sideshow Bob wrapped up in bandages, and the bulls getting bandaged up as well. It reminds me—I know you've never seen the film—but it reminds me of a scene from Space Jam at halftime when the Monstars have just destroyed the Tune Squad and just pans across, and they're all just dead. I'm, I must correct you on this po- one point, Dando. I have seen Space Jam. I do not remember it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it at least twice a year. <laughs> it's one of those movies where. Every, I think every generation has their movie from their childhood that sort of defines their childhood. I feel like for me, Space Jam was that. It was just, it was so big to us as kids mm. in the 90s. I'm sure you had a film that was that. You, yours was probably Star Wars, right? I imagine mine was Star Wars, actually. Yeah, yes. yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't know if this is actually accurate or someone was just making up, but I think there was like a synopsis of the, of the Space Jam sequel going around. Because, you know, they're making one with LeBron. It's actually, it's funny because I, I for so long wanted a Space Jam 2, but now I'm scared that Space Jam 2 is going to ruin Space Jam 1 because if it doesn't have Michael Jordan, it's not Space Jam. That's true, but after seeing The Last Dance, I don't know if if, um, I want to see anything with Michael Jordan in it anymore. I get the feeling, you know, Michael Jordan would hold a grudge against Bugs Bunny. (laughs) How's your back, homie? I can't complain. Nah, that's for the prisoners. You can complain all you want. Oh, God, my back! It hurts so much! And my job is so unfulfilling! Then we see the uh, the painting of Jimi Hendrix, and it's revealed that it was actually Jack Crowley, a prisoner who painted it, and Marge is taken aback. What, a prisoner painted that? And the, warden, the warden here, being infuriated by the unicorn in space, is hilarious. <laughs> How's it breathing? <laughs> but then, yes... <laughs> Homer pulls off a wonderful gag that is actually simultaneously wonderful and awful. Something about, what is it? There's no air in space, but there's an air in space museum. (laughs) (laughs) And he's thrown out subsequently. You you deserve the bum rush for that that terrible gag. Dad joke 101. It was fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Marge, uh, as they're walking out, notices Crowley's uh, raking up the leaves. He's created a sunset. Reminded me of the indigenous flag. A little bit. It's also reminded me of, do you know what a mandala is? I do not know. It is like a, um, not, not a painting done in sand, but um, it's not, like a, not quite a sand sculpture either, but it's sort of like a Buddhist thing where, you know, you, you, it's basically, yeah, it kind of is a painting done in sand. 
and then the wind just blows it away. And it's sort of meant to be a reminder that, you know, everything is temporary, nothing is permanent. Nothing lasts kind of forever. Yeah. Put, you, put you in a Zen state of mind. So, yeah, that's what it reminded me as well. But you're right about the uh, the Indigenous flag, absolutely. Uh, can we just, by the way, just a quick rewind. I know we're giving a lot of props to Michael Keaton for his work in this episode, and justifiably so. He's very, very good. But I'm pretty sure this is the guy voicing the um, the warden. It's, mm. an actor named Ch- it's an actor named Charles Napier. That is correct. Uh, now... Uh, Buffs may recognize, will probably recognize him from either Silence of the Lambs, where he was one of the guards who um, brought Lecter his second dinner of lamb chops and subsequently met a very nasty fate, um, or from the Blues Brothers, where um, he's the lead singer of the uh, the country and western band who uh, tells John Belushi that he's going to look pretty funny eating corn on the cob with no fucking teeth. And they are two films that you want on your resume, aren't they? They do indeed. Charles Napier worked uh, a lot. He was in a bunch of movies. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was always kind of happy to see him. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was good to hear his voice in this episode. Bart and Lisa have been left behind. Bart is doing weights. Now, did you notice in the background there's this guy who's about to shoot a basketball through a hoop? But they mm-hmm. obviously just couldn't be bothered animating him actually shooting it through the hoop. So, for about <laughs> 10 seconds there, he's just, every two or three seconds, just bounces the ball once and looks at the ring. It's like they just... <laughs> It's like they just forgot to animate him actually shooting the ball they just, and just put that just on repeat. Like It reminded me of like a Hanna-Barbera backdrop. <laughs> he's just taking his time. He, he's, he, he wants to get that shot right. He, he, he wants that three points. I, I was glad also that they did that, that nice little gag sort of acknowledge the kids because when they were walking out, it was like, didn't you come here with children? <laughs> Which makes that gag even funnier if you're thinking that it way It does, at the time. yeah, because yeah. I, mean, I, think they've, I think they've had things in the past where it's kind of like, don't you two have children or something like that? It's like, I mean, like, you know, it's like Homer. Don't you have a job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, to acknowledge that I thought was a, a good move on their part. And it paid off with a, with a funny little gag. We come back and Homer, I really enjoyed this. This is sometimes me at work. I have a pillow that I put behind my back in between my back and the chair. So he's got this, <laughs> pi- he's got this pillow strapped to his back. <laughs> Basically, what I do in this office here, I'm recording here in the podcast studio that I call it, the spare room at our house. I mm-hmm. upgraded my chair. So I've got this really nice chair that when I lean back and lean forward, the the support of my back adjusts and it just it's constantly putting pressure on my lower back. So it's it's amazing. Oh, you're feeling pretty good about yourself now, I'll bet. I am feeling very, very good about myself, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a king. Uh, Marge is so I, I like this. Marge looking over at the prison at the window, that little bit, because when she sees the school later on, it's the exact same shot, but they've just replaced the prison with the school. Did you notice that? <laughs> Uh, and I, I like to hear Homer talking about the, the BLT. So he wants a BLT. And Marge is like, what would you think if I went and worked at the prison? Well, first I'd want a BLT. A BLT. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd be proud of her, which was nice. And honestly, BLTs, though, whenever someone mentions that, I'd, you know, people can mention other sandwiches and I'll be kind of like, eh, yeah, eh, that's okay, fine. When someone ever mentions a BLT, it's like, oh, man, I could really go one of those. Yeah, and it also reminds me if you, whenever I uh, hear the word or the, the the abbreviation BLT, I have to go and watch Jason Alexander do the commercial for the Mick BLT. <laughs> the lettuce on the cuckoo side. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're then at the prison. Marge is there to teach the art class. Mrs. Marge Simpson, I'm here to teach an art class. Ooh, art class, la di da. This is Act 
Frost. He's going to solitary. Ooh, solitary. La-dee-da. Welcome to freeing the artist within. Not literally, of course. <laughs> Someone like Marge being in a prison like this, even though she's technically safe, you still somewhat feel uncomfortable with her around these people, don't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the same with the episode with uh, John Goodman and Henry Winkler as the uh, as the members of the bicycle right. gang. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, I think I just called it a bicycle gang as opposed to a motorcycle gang. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all we, the 1% out there. Please don't kill me. <laughs> we, we, knew, we, we knew what you meant. But the, um, the thing is that she just sees the good in everybody. But the, the other thing, too, is she tends to bring out the good in everybody as well. Very much so. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know how chivalrous uh, Jack Crowley was, you know, prior to this, but uh, the way he leaps to Marge's defence, this one here is enough for smelling. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's very you know touching, it very noble. It, it reminds me of when you'd be back at school and, you know, you're in high, the early years of high school, so you're old enough to be considered a young adult. And, you know, you'd get a guest speaker and quite often, yeah, you got the idiots who would constantly be rude to the guest speakers. But if someone arrived who you could tell was just a genuine, wholesome person, even the rat bags would still behave for them because it was just like, you remind me of my mum. I don't yes. want to be mean to you. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know, that, that lady who sort of, you know, <laughs> I think I'm ripping off a line from John Mulaney here, but like that lady who sort of teaches you that, you know, brings her homemade puppets to teach you that bullying is bad. It's kind of like... Yeah, it's, uh, yeah you'd, have to be, you'd have to be a real psychopath to, to you know have a go at this lady so no yeah she's doing her best the message is the message is valid be nice to her (laughs) and when that guy asked to sniff her clothes and crowd's like this one for sniffing or whatever (laughs) but that's what it was like it's like if one person stood out of line even the bullies would be like no no no, not this one not (laughs) Not this this one (laughs) (laughs) well then uh dr hibbert's with homer and he's getting the spine x-ray this we get the 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 mention of uh of simbad there simbad's just disappeared off the face of the earth I believe he has. Yes, um, I think there was. was there it, was some. Did he ever really? Did he ever? Did he ever really have a career to begin with, or was it just like a a fad? Oh, I don't know if he was a fad. I mean, I think he might have been like a, I don't know, fairly niche comedian that people thought this guy might be just good enough to hit it big. And you know, they certainly tried. I mean, he was in a few movies, and and you know. Movies that he starred in as well. Okay. As opposed to just, uh, you know, sort of being second Madonna in, in, in Jingle All The Way. I mean, I think it was him and Phil Hartman in a comedy called House Guest back in like 95 or 96 or something. And, you know, I think there was one or two other ones where, uh, you know, one of the kids from Home Improvement was like the first teenage president or something. And Sinbad was like his body man, like his secret service guy or something. It would have had to have been Jonathan Taylor Thomas, right? Might have been the other one, not the little, not the youngest one, but the elder one. You mean the oldest one had something had a, a gig outside of Home Improvement? True. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> As opposed to a uh, old Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who was you know probably the one with the he real had, star. He had the world. He had the world in his hand for a brief period there. That kid, absolutely. And he, but to his credit, he just like he turned his back on it, of his you know. Uh, off his own bat, he just like yeah. He was yeah, like, I've got my what? money. Fuck off, yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> Not really into it. Yeah, made some cash. I think I'm getting. You know, he got into a decent college, and uh, I don't know what he does now. I think he might be like a professor or something, or he's just living off his home improvement residuals. Well, he created. There's a lot of friction with the home improvement cast because they were like, "This is the biggest show on television, number one rated show on television, and you're leaving." 
and everyone's like, why are you leaving? He's like, because I'm not happy here. I want to go. I want to go be happy. They're like, yeah, yeah, but you're making a lot of money. Yeah, but I want to <laughs> go be happy. Yeah, but we're making a lot of money. Yeah, but I want to go be happy. <laughs> yeah, JTT knows what time it is. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, he was the he was he probably had the most charisma out of anyone on that cast, Tim Allen included. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we uh, as we said, so Homer's with uh, Doctor Hibbert getting the X-ray on his spine, and he suggests he should go see a chiropractor. Just don't, don't tell anybody, but they're actually mural, miracle workers, according to uh, Dr. Hibbert. Homer is then uh, teaching... Oh, no, sorry. Marge is then teaching uh, Sardonicus. Less stabbing. <laughs> more, 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 yeah, more stroking, less stabbing. Marge asks Crowley, like, what, you know, what, what, what got someone so talented into a life of crime? And I shot a poo. Marge is like, ah, everybody does that these days. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but he's he's actually like a genuine good painter. Like his paintings are, are, are great, aren't they? The Puma the Puma Pride thing is awesome, by the way. Oh, oh, the Puma Pride one's very good. But I mean, they look more like they belong on the side of a cool van than they do in like a in a frame or anything like that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I think they're sort of they, you know beautiful like airbrush work. Yes. Yeah. Homer is now with Doctor Steve. Hello, Homer. I'm Doctor Steve. Please lie down. Wake up, Homer. Less yakking, more cracking. Now, Homer, we don't actually crack backs. It's merely an adjustment. Okay, you're going to hear a loud cracking sound. There we go. Hey, it feels a little better. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it might. Now, I'll need to see you three times a week for uh, many years. The whole... I feel slightly better. That's what got me the most because every time I go see a chiropractor, it's always like, yeah, I feel good, but I know by the time I get to the car, I'm probably going to still feel the niggles again. But anyway, yes, yeah, take my yeah. $75, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the immortal line in there, less yakking, more cracking. Exactly. Bart and Lisa are asking Marge how prison was. What do they call it? The slammer. How was it in the slammer? Slammer. <laughs> and now, I'm assuming, let's go into season 12, right? I haven't looked. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming there is an episode of uh, Sideshow Bob coming up because Marge mentions here, Bob says he's going to see, see you real soon. He's like, ah. oh, that Bob. I wonder if that was a tease for an upcoming episode. So let's have a look. Simpsons season 12. Day of the Jack and Apes is in three episodes from now with Sideshow Bob. So there you oh, go. Oh, <laughs> a, a preview of coming attractions. Well played yeah, uh, yeah. Simpsons stuff. I'm, I'm not sure if they meant that, but it just seems it's too coincidental for it not yeah. to be, you know? Hmm. Marge is then baking some cookies. Oh, no, I wrote cookies, but it's the maca, ro- Maca-, macaroons, right? Macaroons, yes. There were macarons macaroons, and yes. there were macaroons, and I believe they are yeah. different. So she's baking them to, uh, to bribe the parole board to get Jack out of prison, and Bart can't have one until he eats his Sunday. This they, they come back to that later, and I've got a good kick out of it. What's wrong with my Sundays? <laughs> <laughs> we're now at the parole meeting, and uh, Jack says, "Don't." This is, uh, the delivery here from Keaton was great. Marge is not going to work. I've seen him. T- I've seen him turn down brownies. No fooling brownies. <laughs> Marge, Marge pleads with the parole board. You got to let this guy out. They say no. He shot somebody, and even a poo defends him. Yeah. Uh, and because Marge is, you know, willing to have him around her neighbourhood, they say right. Well, Jack can get out, but he's in your custody. And next, accidentally chokes Marge. And at this point, you kind of don't know where it's going to go. It's like. To me, I was watching it and I couldn't re- remember how it ended. I'm watching it going, I feel like this guy is probably going to get screwed over and end up, he's going to end up in prison again somehow. But I didn't see the fact that he actually just went back to being, you know, his criminal self. 
I didn't see that coming. I thought he was going to get... Usually the way The Simpsons works is they don't do something wrong. They get the blame for something that's not their fault and he'll end up back in prison. Similar to what happened to Sideshow Bob's brother. Do you remember that? So Sideshow Bob's brother did something and they just threw Bob back in prison for the sake of it. That's right, yeah. Like you, yes, I, I, I wasn't... Um yeah, the third act of this one had kind of slipped my mind a bit. I'd forgotten all about Puma Power and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I was curious to see where it was going to go. And, yeah, that um, release into Marge's custody was, yeah, a little bit of a nifty twist. I'm like, oh, yeah, how's this going to play out? So we get – she introduces Jack to the, to the basement. Homer uh, didn't do <laughs> – so this is good. So Homer's complaining that his back's too sore again. This is so true. Bart's like, well, did you do those exercises they told you to do? Yeah, right. Like when you were doing your homework. The yeah. other thing is, you, we always, like me, what I've been doing for this podcast, I complain the chiropractor doesn't do his job right, yet <laughs> they give me they, they give me stretches to do and I never do them. <laughs> <laughs> the lovely Louise's um, son, elder son, recently got his braces off and every, basically everyone's been telling him, make sure you wear the retainer. <laughs> yeah, never does. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I had braces for, you know, in my teenage years and, you know, eh, wore the retainer on and off and, yeah, now my teeth are sort of back to original Austin Powers default mode. So <laughs> Default mode. <laughs> so, yes, but I did. It's something that I always enjoy about the relationship between Bart and Homer is that they sort of recognise that they're going to do the bare minimum or even, and not even that. And just kind of laugh about them. I just loved home. And, and because they yeah, both yeah. do it, they can ju- they can justify it to themselves. Oh yeah, I did it while you were studying. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Homer falls backwards on the trash can, and it fixes his back. And all of a sudden, he's he's very quick to it, isn't he? Doctor Homer's miracle spino cylinder. Well, you know, there's a, there's a grifter in. Uh, I think yeah, the grift is, is strong yeah. in the Simpson line. You know that uh, that old snake oil that uh, that grandpa sold and all that kind of business. So and the guy that steps in front of cars and sues the drivers. Oh, of course. <laughs> we get another great moment. Uh, this almost made it to my favourite moments. The the patent pending. Oh yeah. <laughs> and as you can see, the unique dents in my invention perfectly match the contours of the human vertebrains. Mm. Patent pending. Patent pending. Patent pending. How great was that? <laughs> Well, if you've ever been like that when you've got an idea for something and, you know, you're itching to tell people about it, but you're the, at the same time you're terrified they're going to pinch it. A hundred percent, yeah. I'm, I'm very, uh, what's the word? Uh, Proprietary. Paranoid when it comes to things oh, like paranoid, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's giving his proposal of the trash can, just patent pending, patent pending, patent pending. For the first time, he actually sees Jack Crowley. He's like, who the hell is this guy? Well, you saw him at prison, but, you know, you didn't know he was yeah. living, there living with him. Marge says that she can get, uh, she can get Jack a job. She looks out the window and sees the school. Then we get Homer with his first customer, Lenny, gets rid of his sciatica by pushing him over the trash can. Poor Frick gets pushed over the can, even though he wasn't there for, for yeah. back help. <laughs> ah, that's a pushing motion. Uh, and then Dr. Smith arrives and he's actually quite scary, isn't he? Warns Homer. Oh, yeah. Don't you, uh, don't you be a chiropractor. You're still in our business away. We're now at Skinner, uh, Skinner Skinner's office. And uh, yeah, what, what, does he, what does he say? Um, what's gone down by 3.4%? School spirit. School spirit's going down. They need a, a mural on the wall for a new logo. New mural. They hire Crowley yeah. to do the job. Uh, Crowley also slips up here. So this is where you start going, ooh, this might not end well. When he's like, oh, my third chance, if you count that farm couple. Mm-hmm. Marge is like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, I, I really want to see Moe's artwork. Yeah, I'm disappointed we didn't, I'm disappointed we didn't see that. Yeah. Should <laughs> he say, how can you call that lovemaking? The animators for Shits and Giggles surely drew something, right? Yeah, oh, you'd think they'd have to. 
<laughs> we then come back from commercial, and he has painted the Puma Pride mural on the wall. It's just awesome, isn't it? It looks great. It's a it's a really rad, you know, one of those just uh, yeah, like Frank Frazetta or Boris Vallejo kind of something out know, of a comic book. Yeah, one of those mad Valkyrie types that you yeah <laughs> that you yeah either you know see on the side of a righteous van or you know. Probably a graphic novel. You'd sell an action figure of them at pop culture or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Skinner is just furious with it. He wants the cutesier painting. <laughs> Dear Lord, what are you doing? You don't like it? No, no, it's all wrong. The shapely female form has no place in art. But uh, what I thought is... I sketched out exactly what I wanted. Yeah, I know, but see what I was going for here. Did you even look at the napkin? Oh, I was in the zone that day. Yeah, you see, I didn't want to go so cutesy-wootsy. Because? Because it's not my style. Well, if you want to keep this job, you'll make it your style. All right. You're the boss man, ain't you? Darn right I'm the boss. Don't forget, I can send you back where you came from, college boy. <sighs> but Skinner here is, like, he's actually a dick. I mean... Even if Jack Crowley, even if he wasn't a former prisoner, like a guy who could you know, snap at the drop of a hat, anyone who was getting talked to like this and poked is going to want to beat up Skinner. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's one thing. It's one thing to have your sort of artwork maligned. It's another to sort of be belittled by uh, yeah. by Seymour like this. I, I, having said that, I did like the way that Seymour signed his own work on the napkin. <laughs> Very proud of it. But you watch this and you know it's going to end badly oh, for, of for one of these two people. Jack here. Absolutely jacked to the gills. He is doing he make, chin-ups. He makes Ned Flanders look like Homer Simpson. Hundred percent. He's like he's like Ned Flanders uh six pack and everything, but Homer's like he's beefed up like Homer, so he's just a solid unit. Oh yes. Uh he's very he's very annoyed with Skinner, but Marge says, you know what, just just suck it up. I, I like her advice here. I know you're gonna, you know, put your your pride aside, but you know what? Just do it. You know, like sometimes you just have to do it in order to get to the next step, you know? Absolutely. He wants to use the washing machine to put his beer in. And Marge says, not until you eat your Sunday. And we get the, the Sunday gag. <laughs> then we get Mo with a trash can. So th- I, I never realized, going back and doing this review, the, the trash can scene doesn't actually appear, that the story doesn't actually appear all that much, does it? I mean, the first half of it is just Homer with the sword back. It's yeah. only really the last half of the, of the story that he actually has the trash can. So, oh, yeah, there's only a couple of, couple of couple of trash can scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's why it's so memorable, because it didn't overstay its welcome. I don't know. I believe, I don't know. It might have been Jordan Mole Man Richie who said he'd watch a whole episode about um, about Homer, you know, cracking spines and you know running his uh, chiropractic grift. But yeah, uh, I think yeah, maybe we got just enough in this episode. You're right. Mo can now focus on his crippling emotional pain. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Daddy, why'd you hug me, Daddy? You hugged the mailman. Then we get the uh, the investors arrive, and they say they're going to take some photos. They steal the trash can. We'd uh, like to invest in your spinal adjustment device. We might be able to do business. <laughs> we'll need to take some photographs. Hey, where are you going with that? Wait a minute. No investor could bend like that. They're chiropractors. Come on, let's go. No, my spinal cylinder! They'll pay for what they did to my can! Forget it, Homer. It's Cairo Town. 
I mean, I know it's funny and like there's a great, you know, Chinatown reference and stuff, but I really felt sorry for Homer here. <laughs> he was onto a good thing. <laughs> he was. Yeah. And he, he trusted these people and they just walked out of his garage and stole his thing and it was over. So then we get the reveal of the um of the new mural, the, the proper reveal. And Skinner makes the bad joke. We hear the gunshot again. It's just fantastic. You know, when Superintendent Chalmers suggested a school mural, I almost thought he said a school muriel. <laughs> muriel to sister. And, uh... Well, thank you, Bruce Valanche. Whoopi would have made it work. Everyone then mocks the, the, uh, the, the new mural, which is exactly what Skinner wanted. And then Skinner's still furious with this. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it Lisa who said, oh, this is too cutesy-wootsy even for me? Yeah, yeah. So like, Skinner is unreasonable in this episode. <laughs> he blames blames Crowley and he's just about to snap. And uh, then we get Skinner organizing the food schedule. But He lost the young males or something when he changed pizza <laughs> to, from Thursday to Tuesdays or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're taking the piss out of the Fox network. Or just 100%. Just yeah. the network execs there who are swapping, you know, Swapping time slots around, all that kind of business. and Maybe it's because they moved Futurama around at this point. Quite possibly, yeah. Losing the prize demo was a result. Yeah. Millhouse says the school's on fire and we see the mural and it burns away and we see the uh, the Puma Pride underneath and everyone's like, wow. Even Miss, Mrs. K is like, now that's a mural, you know, that's something to be proud of. Mm. But then it all burns away, obviously. And Skinner says, well, there's only one person this could have been and it was Jack Crowley. Marge still you know, defends you to the end of the earth. It couldn't have been him. And she accidentally slips up and reveals that he was an ex-con. It's crystal clear who did this. Jack Crowley. No way. You don't know that Jack did this. Just because he's an ex-con. Crowley's an ex-con? Dear Lord, I peed in front of him. Hey, check it out. (laughs) Now that's a mural. It's so passionate, it almost leaps off the wall. felon could have torched the whole school were it not stuffed with asbestos we'll catch crowley and then he'll learn the fine art of police brutality marge then finds crowley hiding in a tunnel and what's good about this is they get you because as a viewer you are you almost put yourself in marge's shoes and you too you don't know whether to believe him or not because he's because keaton is so convincing in making you believe that he's telling the truth oh yeah but it's like but this guy's history, surely it's him, but he seems legit. I just thought it was really well acted and written. As we said before, no disrespect to the to the uh, the core cast of The Simpsons, all of whom are fine performers. But uh, yeah, when you get a legit star slash actor on board, sometimes they bring that, uh, they put, throw a little extra speed on the fastball. Absolutely. So Marge believes him. She says she'll distract Wiggum with some evidence oh she distracts him with evidence in a bag this is great so what I love about this is so Crowley's <laughs> running away you see Crowley running away in the background she's distracted with the evidence in the bag Skinner's like we haven't got time for this because you have to guess it Wiggum's like no no this could be fun and then Wiggum <laughs> has a guess and then Skinner's like you've had your turn <laughs> and then it's revealed that he has set Skinner's car on fire and yeah it, it's over for Jack <laughs> yeah, very much so Marge is absolutely furious so this here was great so, Nick and I both burst out laughing. So, when he's like, Marge is like, you know, I can't believe you did that. And he's like, look, Marge, I'll level with you. I burned the mural, but I did not burn Skinner's car. <laughs> <laughs> I was standing right there. <laughs> Just cannot help himself. Has to lie. So, so funny. Then we get Wiggum and uh, Jack driving back to prison. 
just asking him about shows like Oz and Sex and the City and whatnot. And, and as you mentioned at the start, it just felt like real banter, didn't it? It did, yeah. It was nicely played by the two of them and just the drive off into the sunset. Yeah, it was, it was nicely sort of a, nicely animated as well. It was a, it was a good scene and a good, and a good way to close out. It definitely was a good way to wrap up the episode. Everything is wrapped up. You know, they wrap up Homer's story because that's been a thing as well in season 12 is the side stories don't necessarily get an ending. They're just sort of yeah. there. But what was that one where... It might have been Hello Gutter, Hello Fatter. What was the one where Bart and Lisa were chasing after that elephant balloon? Remember that one? Oh. And it ends up in, and it ends up in, the, um, in the political party's meeting, the, the pink elephant or whatever. That's right, yeah. And there was really no conclusion to that, was there? There was no conclusion to that story. Things, that happens quite regularly. But no, nah, we got the conclusion to the Homer story. It's, it's Cairo Town. And then yeah. this one wrapped up nicely. It, I thought it was a really well-rounded episode. And for those who say it's boring, it wasn't uh, overly eventful. But that doesn't mean it's bad. I thought there was... Had a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. It told a solid story. It had a side story that didn't overstay its welcome. That was entertaining. It's exactly what you'd really want. Yeah, good performances, good laughs. Yeah, who could complain? What did we learn, Palmer? Okay, Mister Davis. I learned on this week of Four Figure Discount that education and creativity are a dangerous mix. <laughs> yes, never combine the two. If you if you're there to get educated, you know, try not to add too much other spice to the mix. Just you know. Learn your, learn your times tables and your uh, and how to spell shit. And, yeah, that's pretty Get much out. It. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? Did you learn anything? Um, if you must go see a chiropractor, uh, try to see someone who is actually accredited, perhaps. Or, um, I don't know, has some kind of uh, degree or diploma on their wall. Even if it's from, you know, one that you got online or something like that. I mean, don't rely just solely on someone with a... Uh, a, a, a well-shaped uh, garbage bin. If their slogan is one, two, better not sue, yeah, keep walking. <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be... New names for this week. It's the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Pokemon. The current leaderboard stands as this. In third position, we have a tie. It's Garode Harrowhill and Alistair Danik both on six. In second position, Josh Hedge on seven. And in first position, on a whopping 12 points, is DL Gorman. All right, and this week, Mr. Davis, we had a new record for entries for the Guy Davis New Name Championships. Over 140 entries this week. It's incredible. It was very, very impressive, and at least uh, three of those names were actually good. No, no, they're actually there are a lot of good ones this time around, and it, and it got me thinking about the Guy Davis New Title Championship and all that. By the way, I feel like I've been thrown under the bus a bit by putting my name on it. I think we should probably share this because, you know, sometimes I get the glory, but I also get the, you know, the sledging from various people in the uh, on the Facebook group who were saying, oh, I think so-and-so, I think that's going to appeal to Guy Davis. I'm like, oh, what am I, that obvious? But um, <laughs> I mean, it got me thinking about, you know, okay, what constitutes a good new title? And, you know... Is it just a good play on words? Is it uh, is it just a good rhyme or a good pun? It has to be relevant to the actual um, to the content of the show as well. I thought so. You know, I was looking over the yes, one hundred and forty plus uh, new titles that we got for this uh, for this episode for Pokemon, and uh, look, a lot of good ones in there. But I sort of had to start thinking. Well, okay, looking beyond myself and looking beyond the things that I normally like, and um, well, you know. Still paying attention to that as well, of course, but uh, you know, coming up for reasons why things would get chosen, and believe me, I'm still working on that. But hopefully, some of the uh, uh, yeah, some of the titles that we pick out this time around, people will be happy with them and understand why the choices have been made. But let's just go through some of the honourable mentions. There was a lot of um, 
plays on backs cracking and all that kind of stuff. Um, what have we got here that are a few of those? Neil Parks had backs cracked and Jack sacked. Uh, Joel Yelland had uh, backs cracked and Puma attacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah a, a lot along those lines and very, very good ones. I did, in fact, choose one of those as a points getter, and we'll get to that eventually. Okay. Um, what else did we get? Um, a few of our favourites uh, or a few of our regular mentions, you know, came up with a, you know, had more than one honourable mention. I mean, our man Neil Parks, for instance, he had backs cracked and jack sacked. He also came up with um, alternate titles are hard, which, you know, a play on um, what Jack said when he was trying to name his, uh, was it his unicorn painting or his Pegasus painting or something like that? Tales are hard. Yeah, so- yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. he spoke for all of us when he said, I alternate titles are hard. In fact, they are. Yes. <laughs> Chris Darby had a couple of good ones that I liked. Um, he had jacked up art, brackets, patent pending, and then followed that up quickly with jacked up Marge, patent pending, patent pending. <laughs> so nice work, Chris. Steve Roberts had Puma Pride and Prejudice, which I quite liked. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, Jordan Moleman Ritchie with That's Not a Puma. <laughs> Uh, and Jeff Edwards yeah, has, to Jeff, be, has to be read like that as well. It has to be actually. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Edmonds, sorry, I almost called you Jeff Edwards, and I'm, I'm, my apologies for that, Jeff. My handwriting is just dreadful. Sunday with an AE, bloody Sunday, mm. and there were a few variations on that in the uh, in the list as well. My apologies if I didn't uh, name check yours, folks, but Jeff's is the first one that sort of leapt out at me. Let's choose one more notable mention, and we'll get into the top three. I reckon that's true. There are there are too many notable mentions. This is something that may shock some people, but D.L. Gorman did not uh, hit the top three this time around. Uh-oh. Des- despite having Spine and Punishment, pretty good, and one that's a bit long and unwieldy in the D.L. Gorman tradition, Liar Liar, Car on Fire, Homer's Cairo, Gig Backfires. I think sp- Spine and Punishment is actually pretty damn good. You know, spine, and pun- <laughs> spine and Punishment is close. I mean, it was it was between that and another one that I'm going to name, but uh, let's get to the three, two, one of it all, mm. and um, let's see. I think we'll give one point to Chris Darby. Christopher Darby, okay, yes, for, first time on the board. It looks like for this ah, season. Well, Chris uh, provided us with Nick Knack Pumacat. Give that con a job. <laughs> That's actually really good. I like that one a lot. <laughs> I thought that was pretty solid. Two points. Two points go to everyone's favourite baker, Keith Nettam. Ooh, Keith Nettam. I believe he's already been on the board this year. So he's on three points now. Well done, Keith. What's he got for us? He has given us back crack and two smoking fires. Mm, Yeah, Mm. so that's the one you were referencing earlier. It is indeed, yes. But um, three points. And I think this this, uh, fellow may be a bit of a dark horse. I don't know if he's been on the leaderboard before or even mentioned before. But it's James Proctor. No, never before. James, okay. Now, James had a couple of good ones. Um, one that sort of earned him a bit of an honourable mention is Orange is the New Jack, which I thought was <laughs> yeah, not really bad good. at all. And, I mean, it wouldn't have been wouldn't have made any sense in 2001, but it's very relevant now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but the thing that got him the three points for mine was the Drawshank Redemption. Ooh, very good. Very, very good. Worthy oh, of the three points. I think so. I think so, but and look, there are still a few honourable mentions. But Dando sort of cracking the whip on me and saying, "Don't name them." But I will. No, no, go uh, for it. Read, read them now. Go for it. <laughs> You're so mean, Dando. Um, uh, our man Gear had Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerard yeah. Harrahill, that is, and Philip Hawkins had a good one. Pokey painter paints a pack of prideful pumas. 
So, look, some real winners, well, <laughs> some real winners in the new titles uh, lineup, but in the end, only actual three winners of points. <laughs> it's amazing what the, uh, the patrons can come up with when you start actually bribing them with real money. <laughs> True. cash always brings out the creativity yeah (laughs) alrighty so the current leaderboard I don't think it changed this week no none of the top three uh, got any more extra points so it's still Garode and Alistair both on six Josh Hedge on seven and DL Gorman on 12 but uh, yeah you're all starting to claw back up I wonder if they can actually catch DL there's still I think about 11 episodes left this season left this season so I'm sure you guys can catch them if you keep contributing those awesome names for the Guy Davis New Name Championship. I'm sorry, mate. It's just going to have to be referred to as the Guy Davis New Name Championship. It just is. Uh, it's just, that's okay. what the trophy says. I'm not getting, I'm not getting a new plaque made up. <laughs> if I have to live with it, I'll live with it. Of course, Mr. Davis, we also have contributions from our glorious followers on Twitter and Instagram. So what new names have they got here for Pokemum? Okay, this one's from at Smoochyballs. He says, Jail Birdman. Don't mind that mm. because of the... Uh, Michael uh, Michael Keaton reference there also got from at forty two black also says jail Birdman I believe this one was also mentioned in your uh, your championship the Shaw Jack Redemption so that uh, got another mention there and from at Matty underscore Ricardo ooh Puma Pride la di da <laughs> anything with la di da is all right by me <laughs> yeah. and our followers on Twitter at Four Finger Pod make sure you follow us if you're not already at the Tim Whitehead says paintbrush with the law Ooh. As, mm, as well as at Daz Miller says Vincent Van go to jail go directly to jail do not collect $200 and also we got a, a mention here from our, a comment from our friends at Inside Oz Podcast so Oz gets a reference uh, gets mentioned at the end of this um, episode from Jack mm-hmm. and uh, Wiggum he wants to know what are your thoughts or they want to know what are your thoughts on the show Oz so Oz was the first show that HBO produced the first one hour drama um, I, all I remember from the show is that it's got an incredible intro. I started to watch it, but it was one of those shows that mum wouldn't let me watch. And I've just never really got back around to it because it was just, I think I was more of a Sopranos kind of guy. But uh, Oz, Oz is a TV show. What were your thoughts, Mr. Davis? Here's the thing. I've never actually watched Oz. Okay. I, think I, was a, I think I was a bit intimidated by it. I think it's one of, one of my great fears is that I will um, either commit a crime and get caught, unlikely, more likely, uh, you know, be framed or just, you know, wrong place, wrong time, end up going to prison. And look, I'd probably end up <laughs> being passed around as a sweet treat to uh, to various <laughs> lifers. Um, but my but my good friend, Anthony, who uh, is a, a, a connoisseur of crime fiction and all that kind of stuff and uh, likes his hard edge stuff, he was a big fan of Oz and he would, you know, sort of often recount episodes and yes, unsavory incidents in the show. And I'm like, mm, part of me makes me, part of what he's talking about makes me want to watch this and part of it makes me never want to watch this. I mean, he would sort of, you know, telling tales about uh, Schillinger, played by J.K. Simmons, and uh, and the fearsome Adebisi, <laughs> um, who just sounded like absolutely terrifying. So I'm like, eh, maybe one of these days I'll get around to Oz. But it, yeah, it just sounds like my worst fears uh, put on screen. And uh, uh, Elliot Stable from SVU gets the whole, uh, you know, sausage and veg out. The whole box and dice, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but if you are a fan of Oz, make sure you check out the Inside Oz podcast. Follow them on Twitter at Inside Oz Podcast. Alrighty, guys. And now it's time for the mailbag. Jamail! is here! Ooh. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's get through this Pokemon mailbag first question comes here from chris darby and i believe he mentions this is his first question he's ever contributed 
He says, do you have any issue hiring ex-convicts? Personally, he thinks once they've served their sentence, they should be treated as regular citizens again. I mean, I think for me personally, it kind of depends on what the crime was. Because if it's something that... I mean, if the crime is to the point where you're spending life in prison, then you're probably not going to get a job when you get out anyway. You're going to be in prison for at least 35, 40 years. You know what I mean? That is true. I think you definitely have to take this on a case-by-case basis. And... I think you have to sort of consider the crime when you consider the position that you might be hiring someone who's out of jail for. The best line I ever heard about it actually came from Stephen King in The Green Mile where I think Tom Hanks's character says in the film, you know, he paid his debt, he's square with the house. So, you know, if you've if you've served your time or whatever, then yeah, it's kind of it's back to square one for you. You know, in a perfect world that's how it should work out, but I don't think that's the case. Now, if I was in the position to hire anyone for a job, I like to think I wouldn't have a um, problem with hiring an ex-convict because personally I believe incarceration should serve the dual purpose of punishing people for their crime but also providing some form of rehabilitation and, you know, ushering people back into the community, back into society, back into the world. You know, and if that can extend to release from prison, then absolutely. But of course, as I said, you've got to take it on a case-by-case basis. This next question is definitely for you, Mr. Davis, being the movie man. So Andrew Pellicati says, what's your favourite Michael Keaton movie? Oh, oh, look, there's a few. uh, Oh, look, there's so many great Michael Keaton performances out there. But I mean, there were a few named, I think, below that question uh, from Andrew. The ones that really leapt out at me, um, well, there's Night Shift. It's really how he sort of broke onto the scene. I think it was back in 1982 or something. Really? That long ago? I didn't realise he was so established by the time Batman came out. I think he'd been sort of, you know, working on and off. He'd done a little bit of stand-up and a bit of sort of sketch comedy and all that kind of stuff and a few other sort of um, acting roles before he landed a fairly big role in this comedy Night Shift back in 82. It was one of Ron Howard's first big movies and it was really sort of like a more of a starring vehicle for Henry Winkler. Night Shift was huge back in the 80s, but it seems to have sort of fallen off the radar a bit. I've honestly never heard of it, yeah. (laughs) The gist of it is it's based on a, I think it's based on a true story you got these two guys who are New York City morgue attendants. And one of them, Henry Winkler, is this kind of... He, he was like a Wall Street guy, but he's, ner- he, you know, he's, got a bit, he's a bit of a nervous character. And the, you know, the pace of Wall Street you know, was too much for him. So he ended up working in this morgue, very quiet, very peaceful and all that. His co-worker is this very outgoing hustler, uh, played by Keaton. Winkler's next-door neighbour is this sex worker, this uh, this uh, call girl, whose pimp gets killed and Winkler and Keaton end up working as pimps for her and all her friends. This sounds outrageous for a, a, a Ron Howard film. <laughs> it is, it is. But and they run, and they basically run the whole operation out of the out of the morgue on the night shift, so no one sort of, you know, knows what's going on. And it's really very, very funny. I haven't watched it in years. I loved it when I saw it. And Keaton is just an... He, he knows he's got a really good part. And he just comes out, you know, all guns blazing. It's just hilarious. It's got, no, it's got 92% here on Rotten Tomatoes, so... Yeah. I don't know if it's on any streaming services or anything like that. It's 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 also pretty risque, as one might gather from that uh, long-winded plot synopsis I gave. But uh, it's good stuff. Very, very funny. And Keaton's fantastic in it. Uh, one of the more recent ones that I that I watched of Keaton's that I really enjoyed was The Founder, the McDonald's film. Have you seen that one? I have, yeah. I was thinking about that as well. It's a really good performance by him as well. And it's a it's an interesting story, that whole birth of Macca's yarn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It makes you not want to ever buy McDonald's ever again. 
yeah, only to sort of keep money out of this dude's pocket. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I thought the, um, the two guys playing the actual McDonald's brothers were fantastic. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a really interesting yarn. Beetlejuice as well, I think, is incredible in Beetlejuice. And it's funny because I mean, there's like seven years difference between or seven years gap between that and Night Shift. And there's a lot of sort of so-so movies in between Night Shift and Beetlejuice, almost to the fact where, it, where it's like Beetlejuice was a bit of a comeback for him. It was like, oh, that Michael Keaton was really good, but he never really sort of fulfilled his promise. And then Tim Burton hired him as Beetlejuice, then hired him as Batman, and then it was off to the races. So Batman was the one that really made him a, a superstar, was it? Or was it more I Beetlejuice? I reckon so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had a very good 90s after that as a result. Just very quickly, he sort of he played the same character in two movies that came out pretty close to one another, and that's Tarantino's Jackie Brown and Steven Soderbergh's mm-hmm. Out of Sight, which came out the uh, following year. And he plays the same character in both, uh, this FBI agent named Ray Nicolette. Um, and it's a, a really good performance, really, um, really very, very fun. He's got one of the... He's just got a tremendous scene in Out of Sight with Jennifer Lopez and the late, great uh, Dennis Farina. I, Out of Sight's a movie that I recommend all the time. It's also my, like, my go-to date movie. Like, if I'm okay. the first... If I'm watching a movie with um, if I you know, if I've met a girl like I really like, like the lovely Louise, I think one of the first movies I'll show will be out of sight and say, if we get if if she likes this, then we're probably going to get along. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I met Nicola. Well, not it wasn't the first time, but not long after meeting her, I showed her the Simpsons. I put the Simpsons on. She goes, ah, oh, I never really watched the Simpsons, and I was like, danger, <laughs> danger. And then I, remember I put Seinfeld on. She was like, oh yeah, I don't like Seinfeld. I'm like. <laughs> Danger! <laughs> but now she loves them both, so it all worked out well. In the it end. all worked out fine. Hurrah! Uh, Beth Anslow has a good question for us, but she also has another comment here. She thinks that uh, Jack would have been a very good suitor for Ruth, uh, Ruth Powers, who you mentioned to be off the air. You couldn't quite remember her by name, but once I said she's the one that Marge goes on the land with, she's um she's like the bad girl of Springfield. She would certainly mm. be a good match for, for Jack, I think. And I think so. I th- She'd be I all think- over it. She loves the bad boys. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think those two would be uh, would make a very a very cool couple as well. Yes, yeah. You can see them driving around a convertible, probably, you know, both, you know, lighting each other's cigarettes and uh, yeah, they'd just be uh, latter day Bonnie and Clyde. But her question is if you had to be a substitute teacher for a day, what subject would you teach? Enlighten me, Mr. Davis. Well, what do you think you'd do? Do you think you'd be a, a good substitute teacher? Do you think there's anyone that you'd, any uh, particular subject that you'd like to, you know? It would have to be something like a media studies kind of thing. That was always my go to. I did year 12 media studies in year 10. It was just always my go-to. I just adored mm. media studies, anything to do with film and TV. Not so much behind the camera. I just loved the the, the more writing side of things. I yeah. really enjoyed that. So I think it'd be media studies would be my thing. What about yourself? Um, I, I, look, if I was actually engaged and wanted to sort of make a bit of effort, I'd probably do English or maybe drama. Having said that, if I was going to be lazy about it, I'd probably just be maths. And then I'd just throw a bunch of... Yeah, you know, test papers and like do the problems and shut up. Yeah, <laughs> here's some Don't calculators, here's some books. Just copy, copy paste. <laughs> Alrighty, well that wraps up the mailbag for this week. Thank you guys once again for listening to our review of Pokemon. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to uh, rate review us in the iTunes store. Best way for us to uh, boost up the rankings on iTunes and more people discover the show. We'd love to hear how you guys listen to the show, by the way. So send us in mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. Do you listen to us via Spotify, via the Podbean app? Do you use a particular podcast app? Just love to hear how each and every one of you have found the show. I just want to hear from you in general. If you're a new listener, let us know what you think of the show. Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com. 
www.guidedavis.com.au. Also, as we said earlier, if you want to contribute to the Guy Davis Nuno Championship, you're just going to be a $2 plus patron where you get access to the Four Figure Discount Facebook group, an incredible community of like-minded Simpsons fans. We also get to jump on board and have some Zoom calls with Guy Davis and myself. It's always a good time. <laughs> $20 plus patrons not only get a stone cutter ring, but they also get access into the Four Figure Discount Zoom pre-show that we do each and every week. Now, next week, Mr. Davis, we're going to be reviewing an episode called Worst Episode Ever, where Bart Milhouse take over the comic book shop. I remember really enjoying this episode, so I'm looking forward to going and reviewing it once again. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Oh, full-finger discount. La-dee-da. Shh.